And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, May the 29th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. It is Memorial Day. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Today on May 29, 1988, President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev, they opened their historic summit in Moscow. Today in 1765, Patrick Henry denounced the Stamp Act before Virginia's House of Burgesses. He did more than just denounce the Stamp Act. He denounced the British rule, and he um, said a lot of things. In fact, Patrick Henry was probably most famous for saying, give me liberty or give me death. Today in 1790, Rhode Island became the 13th original colony to ratify the United States Constitution <clears throat> Today in 1848, Wisconsin became the 30th state in the Union. Today in 1953, Mount Everest was conquered by Ed Edmund Hillary of New Zealand and Tenzing Norgay of Nepal. They became the first climbers to ever reach the summit. Today in 1977, Janet Guthrie, she became the first woman to race in the Indianapolis 500. She finished 29th. A.J. Foyt won that race. Today in 2014, Starbucks, 2014, Starbucks closed thousands of their stores for part of the day to hold training sessions for employees on unconscious bias. That always uh, uh, amuses me when I read this, and, and this was several years ago, 2014, but they're still talking about this unconscious bias, and there's this group of people out there that have written books and study guides and so on about unconscious bias. What they're telling us I mean, us just simple people, just ordinary people out here. What they're telling us is that you're biased even, and you don't know it. So we've got to uncover that biasness that you have toward whatever and whomever, and we have to expose it, and then we'll lead you out of that that you didn't know you had. Today in 2015, the Obama administration formally removed Cuba from the U.S. terrorism blacklist. Not everybody in Miami and elsewhere were happy about that, but he did. That fit the uh, format of Barack Obama, didn't it? It did indeed. Today is Memorial Day. I want to talk a little bit about it. It's Memorial Day in America. It's an annual observance. It can be traced back to the end of the Civil War, it's kind of morphed. It's had a couple of names. It was Decoration Day for a while. I've mentioned this in the past. I, my, my dad and my father and I had a, a very good relationship. We were very close. And dad was, uh, he didn't get much of an education because he had to go to work. He, he grew up in Spokane, Washington, and um, started selling newspapers when he was just a young kid on the corner of downtown Spokane. So he spent most of his time working, but he was kind of self-educated. But sometimes he got things a little mixed up. I mean, he didn't get it quite right, but it didn't bother me any. But the one thing as a kid, I remember when I was a kid, we'd drive out to the cemeteries there in Yakima and, and in the Yakima Valley. And, and my parents would put, you know, flowers on the graves and so on. And my dad would always refer to, to today as Decoration Day, and I would think, man, I wish you wouldn't call it that. Nobody calls it Decoration Day. It's never been Decoration Day. It's always been Memorial Day. Well, as I grew up and <clears throat> learned that I didn't know everything, that I thought I knew when I was 12 or 14, 
I figured out that Dad was simply holding on to the past or forgetting to come into the future because it once was Decoration Day. But it's Memorial Day now, and um, it's much more than just the beginning of summer. I want to talk to you a little bit today about some thoughts on faith and freedom and sacrifice and memory, remembering. One of the most important things in the Bible that we learn from both the Old and the New Testament is that remembering things is very, very important. We are told in the New Testament to partake of the sacraments of communion because it is a memorial, it is a remembrance of Jesus Christ until he returns. When he returns, we don't have to do that, or we're not asked to do that anymore, but we're told, instructed to do that until he returns, and that's why churches have the sacraments, and different churches do it different ways, but most Christian churches have some form of that, and they should have. Because Jesus himself instructed his followers to do that. So it's, it's very important that we remember the past. One of the criticisms that has kind of emerged in our, in our culture today is sort of a belittling of anyone who puts any value on the past. They're said to be trying to hold on to the past and so on. Particularly Christians have been targeted with that kind of uh, rhetoric because we do hold on to the past because the Bible was not written last night. It was written some time ago. And so we are holding on to the past because the Bible is the infallible word of God. And it will never pass away. And we believe this with all of our hearts. So we believe that the Bible is the sure foundation. The word of God is the sure uh, directive in a very confused and messed up culture that we live in today. So sometimes we're, I've been accused of that publicly on radio and interviews and stuff in the past. Oh, you're holding on to the past. Well, uh, yeah, we are sort of. We are holding on to the past because that's the pathway to the future. So it's very important in a, in a, as far as a Christian life is concerned and as far as biblical teaching is concerned that we understand the past. And it was, in fact, Patrick Henry said, I paraphrase him, I, I don't have his quote in front of me, but he said something to the effect a couple of different times in speeches that knowing the past past helps us to understand the future and the, and the present and so on. And a lot of people have spoken to that issue. So that is important. But we live in a culture that is constantly trying to erase the past because they want to rewrite the character of a nation. Roman emperors were often a bad bunch of people, but usually, usually confirmed as such only in retrospect, after they had died. Monsters like Nero and of the first century AD and Julio-Claudian dynasty and all of those guys. Later on, there were psychopaths, Commodius and Caracalla. They were all flattered by the wannabes when they were alive, but they were despised the moment they died. After near-insane emperors were finally killed off, the psychopathic Roman Senate, and they were often proclaimed, 
what they called the damnatio memoriae. It was a like a damnation of memory. And prior commemoration was wiped away, thereby robbing history of any memory of the past and its meaning. They just cut it off because they didn't want people to, to look back at any kind of history because they might learn something from it. In more practical matters, there was a concurrent oblitio memoriae that was an erasing of memory in the Roman Empire. Specifically, the moralists either destroyed or rounded up and put away all of the uh, like uh, statuary and the inscriptions that had anything to do with a bad or a dead emperor. In the case of particularly striking or expensive uh, artistic pieces, they erased the emperor's name. They called that oblitio nominus or his face, and they would scar some of his physical characteristics on these statues, on the artwork. Without Leon Trotsky's writings and his insight, and I'm sure you've heard him mention, some pastors mention Trotsky even in sermons and things. I certainly did as a pastor, but because it fits into so many issues that we deal with from a biblical perspective today. But it was important, I think, to the free world that in his writings and his insight, Vladimir Lenin probably would have never have consolidated power, yet after the triumph of Stalin, there was a whole movement of detrotskization. Everything that Trotsky wrote was to be obliterated. It was to be eliminated. It was kind of a nightmarish process, and it was fuel. It, it I think a lot of that fueled the uh, the George Orwell books, the the Animal Farm in 1984 that we refer to so often nowadays. But you have to wonder to yourself, how many times has St. Petersburg's name been changed? I mean, if you want to just look at this. It reflects each generation's love or hate of the indifference in the czarist Russia, or neighboring Germany for that matter. It's a city always to remain St. Petersburg, or will it again at some point be called the German Petrograd? Or was it after the horrific First World War? Or perhaps it will again be the communist Leningrad, kind of reflecting a kind of a stupid age, a giddy age of the new man. This dictated the morality and the politics of each new generation resenting its past. And that's what we have been seeing in America recently. It's a, is, is a society that damns its past every 50 years. Is that one that we really want to emulate here in America? I don't think so. Abolition of memory, memory is easy when the revisionists enjoy the high moral ground. We're right and all of you other people are wrong. And we live in a culture like that today. But more often, more often, killing the dead is not an easy matter. Because there are people who remember. This generation has been trying to kill the dead over the past several years. America was founded in 1776. No, it wasn't. It was founded in 1619 when the first slave ship arrived on the shores of America. It was not founded out of a thirst for religious freedom, they say. It was founded to advance slave trade. And on and on it goes. We've talked about that probably hundreds of times on this program. Hopefully a lot of others are talking about it as well. There's always a war against remembering 
History doesn't support their agenda, so it must be erased. People without a known history can be easily misled. And in the minds of the so-called moralist leftists, the end always justifies the means. And besides, all of these wars that the United States has been involved in, they say, the leftists say, they were unjust. That's why it's so important to remember. Memorial Day is in an annual observance in America. It can be traced back to the Civil War, a war where over half a million people died for the principle of freedom. Not about advancing slavery, but about abolishing it. A man cannot own another man, Americans said. And we fought a war against each other over that principle. That has never happened in history. No other nation has been that morally sensitive to fight a nation, fight a war among themselves over a moral issue. Never happened. Power, yes. Wealth, yes, it's happened. But not over a moral issue. Many places claim to have been the original Memorial Day. There's Warrington, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, all these guys, uh, uh, Bullsburg, Pennsylvania, Waterloo, New York. They all claim to be have had the first um, Memorial Day or Decoration Day. One, pl- one of the places is Charleston, South Carolina. The story there is kind of touching to me. It's where a mass grave was uncovered. There were 257 Union soldiers who had died in a prison camp. On May the 1st, 1865, former slaves organized a parade. It was led by 2,800 singing black kids, little kids. They were singing their, their, their Christian songs, their church songs. And uh, they prayed publicly. And they read Bible verses. And they sang their spiritual songs. 2,800 kids. And the men reburied the soldiers with honor as an act of gratefulness for the ultimate sacrifice which gave them their freedom. In 1868, General John A. Logan, commander of the Civil War Veterans Organization, the Grand Army of the Republic, it was called, he called for a decoration day to be observed annually on May the 30th. President James Garfield's only executive order was in 1881, where he gave government workers May 30th off work so they could celebrate and decorate the graves of those who died in the Civil War. We have a great heritage in America. In 1921, President Warren Hardy had the remains of an unknown soldier killed in France during World War I buried in the tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington Cemetery. We know about that. We also know about uh, new science that can often discover who unknown uh, remains belong to. But inscribed on the tomb is the phrase, here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. And yet in recent years, there's been a real move to remove that unknown to, unknown soldier tomb. Despite the many distinguished, revered war, war heroes, 
Two former U.S. presidents are buried there. There's nowhere within the hallowed grounds of Arlington National Cemetery that's more frequented by visitors than the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Located on a hill, on a high, on the high ground there, it's almost the perfect geographical center of the cemetery. Not quite, but almost. The tomb exemplifies valor and honor by remembering those who died committing brave, selfless acts with no one to bear witness to them. Since 1921, it has been the tradition for presidents to lay a wreath on the tomb of the unknown soldier. That tomb, as you may know, many of us have been there, we've been there. That tomb is guarded 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. In 1968, 100 years after the first observance, Memorial Day was moved to the last Monday in May. This is a time certainly to remember. We must never forget the price that it was paid for our freedom, our religious freedom, our cultural freedom in this nation. On June 6, 1944, President Franklin Roosevelt offered a D-Day prayer. I've read this before on this program, so it may be familiar to you, or it certainly could be familiar to you from a number of, of places. It's now part of the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., but Franklin, uh, Franklin Roosevelt said, My fellow Americans, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. We know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. Now, a lot of people would take offense to that, and a lot of people would not utter those words. And yes, I know Franklin Roosevelt wasn't a Republican. I'm aware of that. But he took the right path, and he said the right thing. He prayed a prayer to Almighty God as we embarked on that great war, and D-Day in particular. America, until recent years, has always, always defaulted when we were in trouble, when we were had our, our back against the wall, so to speak. And we did in World War II. Jap the Japanese forces, they put a horrible thing on our, on our bases in Hawaii and so on, as we all know. And America and the world was hanging in the balance. That war had to be fought. It was a just war. But our children are being raised today in, in an environment where they're often taught that was an unjust war, as was World War I, and they try to erase the Civil War, and on and on it goes. Those who remember are dreaded by those who are relativistic, who do not want to hold to any 
absolute principles and truth. That's why it's so important that we remember. It's a time to remember, but it's also a time to memorialize. Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it states in its definition of memorial, all in capital letters, by the way, 1828, Noah Webster's Dictionary. It says, when you look up memorial, it says, that which preserves the memory of something, a a monument is a memorial of a deceased person or of an event. The Lord's Supper is a memorial of the death and sufferings of Christ. This is Noah Webster's Dictionary. Memorials are important in Scripture. The Lord, that's the end of quote from Noah Webster's, but memorials are important in Scripture because as I said, the Lord's Supper is a memorial in effect to do this until he returns. But the Lord told Moses in Exodus chapter 12, Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel. On the tenth day of this month thou, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house. Your lamb shall be without blemish, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and execute judgment. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial throughout your generations and ordinance forever. A memorial is mentioned in Joshua chapter 4 as well. When all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, the Bible says Joshua called the 12 men out of every tribe. And Joshua said this, and this this is quote from the Bible, chapter 4. Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. Take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. In his Memorial Day address, On May 31, 1923, President Calvin Coolidge said, Settlers came here from uh, from mixed motives. Generally defined, they were seeking a broader freedom. He continued. He said they were intent on establishing a Christian commonwealth following the principle of self-government. It has been said that God sifted the nations that he might send choice grain into the wilderness. Now, I understand that I could be misunderstood by saying this, but I'm going to say it. I'm not a white nationalist. I just simply want to speak the truth. Coolidge was citing an election sermon that was given in Boston in April the 29th, 1669, by Massachusetts Governor Judge William Stoughton. He was describing, he was talking about a wonderful opportunity of America looking forward. 
but he was talking about how he described the Puritans fleeing persecution in England to settle in the New World. He said, and speaking of those who came before him, this was in 1669, he said, God sifted a whole nation that he might send choice grain over into the wilderness. He was simply recognizing the greatness of spirit of those who came to settle and to build what we know as America, the United States of America today. Coolidge was citing from that sermon when he said that, because the this preacher, this governor, Judge William Stoughton, he described the Puritans fleeing for religious freedom purposes. He said, God sifted a whole nation that he might send choice grain over into the wilder- into this wilderness. Many years later, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who is my favorite poem uh, poet, uh, and if you've listened to this program, you know that I mentioned him from time to time. He also picked up on that cause, and he was certainly a, he was a, a, a believer in Jesus Christ and a and a great poet, very famous, you know, the Paul Revere's ride and all that stuff. But he was he also picked up on that in his classic. The Courtship of Miles Standish, and that's a very classic poem that he wrote. But in that, he used that same, he said, God sifted that same line. He said, God has sifted three kingdoms to find the wheat for his planting. I say that to say this, that I think it's, particularly in the days in which we live, as we remember those who have served our country today, and we put flowers on the graves, not only of those who serve, but of our loved ones and family as well. Memorial Day has expanded from its original meaning of of honoring those who have served in our military and and protecting America and so on. But as we do that, let's please keep in mind that this is not just an exercise, but it it is something that is so important to God that Jesus himself told us to, to do this in remembrance of me until I return to remember the past so we can understand the present and we can look to the future with hope based on reality, not on some pipe dream by some leftist progressive so-called. Those who gave their all to protect and defend our God-given rights and freedoms need to be remembered today. We need to remember why they gave their lives, what it was all about, we must not become the Roman Empire where we erase everything we don't like. And yet that's, there's an effort to do that in America today. So thank you for remembering to all of you. Remember, America is an exceptional nation founded on biblical principles and ideals. President Calvin Coolidge said on May 31st, 1923, in the conclusion of a speech, he said they had a genius for organized society on the foundations of piety, righteousness, liberty, and obedience to law. Who can fail to see the hand of destiny? Who can doubt that it has been guided by a divine providence? Speaking of America. Thanks for being with me today. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.